0: This week on Trek, Merry Kill, Dads, Tribbles, Voyager, next.
1: The night will brighten with the ashes of the Federation.
0: Our enemies have reemerged. Whatever they're planning, it's somehow tied to Daystrom Station, home to Starfleet's most off-the-books tech. We need you.
1: They found us idea how many
2: trees is violated. They'll just have to add it to my tab. Track, Mary, kill.
0: Hi, I'm Brian. I'm Ryan. I met Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a Star Trek podcast that's not protecting the manifest. It is the manifest. Joining us this week for the first time, a returning guest. It's Ryan from Q Code. Welcome hey back, everybody. Ryan, <laughs> home of Jillian on Love and Little Curiosities with Kendall Long. Welcome back, Ryan. I could think of no better person to bring back for this episode that we're talking about. But before. I let you talk, Ryan. I need to introduce our other guest co-host this week. You might have heard him already, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Matt, who has been doing visual effects in Hollywood for a while now. He has a list of credits. He's probably done VFX on your favorite show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Orville, FBI, Black Lightning, Space Jam, A New Legacy, and Star Trek Prodigy. Matt and Ryan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us, Brian. Banter. Banter. That's what it says in the rundown. That's right.
2: (laughs) See, I got it. Brian, you texted me about today's episode as soon as you were done watching it. I'm pretty sure uh, I have a record of that. You were like, this is made for you. <laughs> so I'm very excited that you picked me to cover it with you.
0: Yes, and and Matt, uh, I've been wanting to have you on. I've been a, a little weird about asking people who I do know who are connected to any of the shows that are currently running only because sometimes I'm like, why did they do that on the new shows? And I didn't want there to be any weirdness, but... Listen, Star Trek Prodigy has captured imaginations, hearts, and minds, which is what it was designed to do. And one of the things it does really well is it folds in iconography and all that stuff uh, from Star Trek history, and in clever ways, in ways both you know subtle and overt, uh, to help kids who are new to the whole franchise. And 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 you have told me many times, like watching episodes for references to literally design them and animate them in the show. Oh yeah, this is a perfect episode for you. Yep, because absolutely. we've got the Daystrom
1: component, which is nothing but that. Yep. <laughs> and then we got the ships. <laughs> yeah, we got a ton of spaceships, which are my favorite thing of the, you know, Star Trek world, really. Who's,
0: so tell tell me how you got, Ryan, sorry, we already did this with you. So I want to hear, Matt, Matt, your Star Trek story. How did how did you come to uh, watching it? What hooked you? Any, anything you want to share about that?
1: Like you were saying, like, it does come to most people, I think, when they're kids, And when I was young, I had two older cousins who I'd visit a lot. And I'd always like go over to their house and like check in with what's kind of cool and what they're doing. And so between like the ages of four and 10, they introduced me to Star Trek, uh, mostly through the original movies, um, specifically probably like two through four. But then they also had these awesome micro machine toys of all the ships. And I wanted those toys, so I eventually started getting those toys. So I would play those as toys. And Ryan, I think Ryan and I were talking about there. There was like a giant set that had like all the ships that were currently out, and came with the Enterprise A.
2: There were three giant sets: one that came with the Enterprise A, one that came with the uh, refit Enterprise D, the uh, Negvar, and the uh, oh, what is it? The 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 hospital ship that Beverly Crusher and all good things. Mm. USS Pasteur. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. And then, uh, of course, and then the final set, which was never released outside of the uh, Star Trek fan club magazine, uh, which I was especially proud to get with the Enterprise E.
1: Yeah, they were awesome. They were just little uh, miniature ships and stuff. So I like that. And, you know, I'd watch the movies and then it's like, you know, I usually, especially as a kid, just tune out if the ships weren't on screen and then sometimes pop back in. But it all (laughs) kind of like seeps into the head. And then eventually I started watching Next Generation, which I, I feel like it's very appropriate for children. Even though they're like you know high concepts and stuff, it feels like very family friendly in a lot of ways. So those were kind of like my comfort ones, and I even recorded off of TV, uh, Star Trek three and four. Uh, so those are the movies I watched like the most, which is very appropriate for this episode. If you turn your trips, I rate it. Uh, <laughs> then and the music. On... Yeah, definitely the music. But yeah, later on, I saw my cousins watching like an episode of Deep Space Nine and it looked kind of scary. So I was like, I don't know if I want to see that. And then I never really got into Voyager. I started watching a little Enterprise, but kind of fell off. And then, yeah, it was really just into the movies for a long time until I ended up moving in with Ryan uh, years ago. And then that kind of like reignited where he was like, oh, you haven't seen DS9? You got to watch all that. So like 10 years ago, I watched Space 9 you know, he essentially kind of got me back into it. So I started watching a couple of the other shows as well. And then especially when I um, worked on Prodigy, I started going back and rewatching the original series and then Voyager uh, just to fill in some of my gaps and stuff. I read a ton of the books, especially the next generation novelizations. Um, I'd go to the library and borrow like, you know, three at a time and read those. Um, So I would definitely say, while I don't consider it like the reason I got into visual effects, I feel like it's one of the reasons that, I feel, you know, jumped into visual effects. So I was very excited when I was kind of at a point in visual effects where I was like, oh, maybe I want to get out of live action and get more into animation. And um, I was applying to you know, Nickelodeon DreamWorks and Nickelodeon eventually got back to me and the show I was on was a Star Trek, which is, you know, kind of like a dream. And speaking of ships, I love the design of the Protostar. So it's been a, you know, really fun one to work on.
0: What has from season one, because I'm going to ask you to spoil season two later, uh, but <laughs> which I know you can't do. Yep. But I'm just kidding. Uh, but what was your the shot you were most proud of from
1: season one? I believe it's in episode 119, uh, the finale. It's a two parter starstruck. Um, there is one shot where the protostar is like weaving in and out of a fleet of starships that are all firing. And there is a photon torpedo that is following it and it does the ship flies by another ship and the photon torpedo goes right by it. And you can kind of see the uh, call sign of the enterprise E on the nacelle. So it's like, okay, there's a, I think there's like a little debate as to whether or not the enterprise E was actually in there or if it was just kind of like the texture that was on all the models, but I like to think it was. So.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Uh, Also fog of war reflections on torpedo from torpedo glares. Who knows? Things could look like the enterprise E. That's fine. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, This week we're talking about The Bounty, the sixth episode of Star Trek Picard's third season. It premiered March 23rd, 2023 on Paramount+, Plus. written by Christopher Monfette, directed by Dan Liu. Memory Alpha's logline, now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet's most top-secret facility to expose a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn to the only soul in the galaxy who can help. And then it says like some old friend, but it's Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge, everybody, let's not bury the lead here. Yeah. Jordy is back. This episode, in terms of story, far less interesting than the iconography, the ships, and that's why I had to bring Matt and Ryan in to talk about this episode because from Station is basically Easter Egg City or an Easter Egg Farm, and. Ethan Prime, where, where Jordy LaForge Commodore LaForge is, it's the Fleet Museum, the the previously referenced but never seen Fleet Museum, and oh my god, I don't, I, how much time and money did they spend, uh, doing that Fleet Museum in computers,
2: obviously, well, but even the museum itself, Brian, we've got the space talk yeah, right, yeah, yes, it's the so original awesome. space talk yes, <laughs> which they somehow transported this entire thing from Earth. To uh, Ethan Prime. It's just amazing. Now that they
0: can travel across the entire galaxy in like 15 minutes, it doesn't seem like it's that big
1: of a deal. Well, so, it's uh, <laughs> there are no, there's no friction in space. So if you just give it a little push, eventually it gets there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. As soon as Star Trek three ended or Star <laughs> Trek four ended, no, 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 it's in Star Trek six. So as soon as Star Trek six ended, then they started nudging it that way. So, uh, Okay, first reactions then when you saw this the first time, because mine was obviously to text Ryan in the middle of the night <laughs> and saying, bro, you got to see this. This is like made for you. <laughs> but how did you guys go when you saw it? Uh, we'll start with, oh. with Ryan. You've been quiet for a while.
2: Oh, you know, <laughs> I have been quiet on purpose because I'm just about to erupt. This was amazing. Uh, every ship that you could possibly want to see and then the ships that they don't even really truly cover. Uh, it's everything that I was hoping to find. Uh, in this fleet museum, you know, uh, finally finding the resting place of the Stargazer, uh, the what happened to Excelsior. I mean, yes, a lot of these ships are the ones, of course, that we've seen. And, and But we do extend a little bit outside of that with, you know, the New Jersey and some of the other ships that, you know, uh, may or may not
1: be named. But,
2: yeah, it was it was
1: a beautiful thing to see. And no, it was definitely like I say, it was like watching my micro machines on TV in a awesome display that my parents never bought me.
2: <laughs> yeah. The no NL- the NXO one refit that was like total deep dive, you know, Doug Drexler, like this is what could have happened if enterprise kept going to finally see that, you know, oh, yeah,
0: that. Okay. So that was awesome because that I did. I never liked the NXO one, but then seeing the, the secondary hull attachment, I'm like, ah, oh, That's the Enterprise. It was always an
2: Akira class ripoff. (laughs) And then it's like to finally see it come into its own and like bridge the uh, development chain between, you know, what was before in the Constitution class. That it was. Yeah, it's nice. It's a beautiful ship.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, And also as someone who I'm not here to bash Voyager, it was just not my favorite show, but seeing Voyager rendered, they did a a phenomenal job. It looked beautiful. Yes. And all of that was fantastic, and it made me very happy. And it plays
2: okay. in perfectly with Seven of Nine. Of course, it's going to oh, you know, it was, spark that great. wonderful scene that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about later. But yeah, uh, my only complaint would be the Saratoga. That's just a personal thing where, uh, I don't know if you did a deep dive into their thinking behind the Saratoga, but it's the original Saratoga scene in Star Trek IV, but repurposed. With uh, the the wreckage of the Saratoga from Wolf three five nine to represent that that Reliant class ship, not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, it doesn't really doesn't really. Uh... They overthink it's the same problem <laughs> yeah. as the Titan, which I'm sure you we you know you've covered before. Where it's like, what's this? It's the Titan. It's Will's Will Records Titan, but it doesn't look anything like it. But they have to shoehorn it so that it it, it was just it's too much.
0: Okay, so. And we didn't mention the Defiant, but the Defiant was there and was great. I was Uh, also surprised
1: that they had um, a couple like they had the Romulan Bird of Prey, the old one. um, Yeah,
0: well, I don't know what was going on with that. That was weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of my favorite ships. So I was like, oh, I'm glad to see it. But I'm also like, oh, how did like that in like the Klingon Battlecruiser? It's like, oh, how did Starfleet get to like keep those? I was confused Uh, about
2: that. Yeah, because you're you're looking at the. I think you answered the question, Matt. Yeah, I think Matt answered the question. He's like, "That's I like that. It's a cool ship. It's a cool (laughs) ship. You're right." But it's also like, "Wouldn't the Klingons want to keep the emissary of the Chancellor?" You know, like uh, I don't know. It's
0: well, the Klingon the bounty that was that's still the big question for me. I mean, I feel like we should get to that at some point. But oh, don't get uh, started. That
2: that was. Do we name all
0: the ships? So we have got the USS New Jersey, which represents the original Constitution. Class from the original series, mm-hmm. which I I liked it. I thought it was better rendered in this episode than when we see the Enterprise in Deep Space Nine, which would I think was the last time we saw it rendered in one of the shows. I so. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Discovery and Strange New World fans. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I yeah, will say I appreciate not... that they went that route.
2: <laughs> that's the, the the sign of a true fan uh, in our, our showrunner here. Uh, that he purposely chose that particular rendition of the Enterprise.
1: Yeah, and I really liked that yeah. they kept like that old aesthetic, but then put it among all the other ones, so you could see so kind that, of like how it yeah. would kind of fit, which was yes. Cool.
0: I think they did a really nice job blending it all because that's a lot of different eras and yep. and visualizations to blend together. Yep. Which brings me to my last point. I can't believe they nailed the motion picture Enterprise. It oh, looked yeah.
1: gorgeous. Yeah.
0: How did they do that? Because it looked like it was lit how the model was lit. Yeah. I, and and I, that lighting and skin surfacing does not exist anywhere outside of the
2: movies. Yeah. They lost in it, Star right? Because wasn't that the, one of the, the issues? Is they actually repainted the mosaic at some point and, and they lost sure, the sure, texture. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, sure. But I'm saying, like, the, there's nothing, none of the other ships in in any of the other movies no. and TV shows have that kind of, you know, lighting, the the ILM lighting, uh, yeah. essentially. Um, How, okay, so you're the expert here. So you've got to blend, uh, you know, 57 years of different visual aesthetics into, it's not a single shot. That would have probably driven them nuts. But yeah. And you can kind of get away with distances and some elements. But, you know, we get two angles of
1: the Enterprise-A. Yeah. And they're both great. Yeah, <laughs> both yeah I really love, especially the top-down view, because you get, of course, the gorgeous spotlight from essentially the bridge onto the saucer that they kept. Because I do remember I watched, like, uh, behind the scenes on the making of the original motion picture Enterprise, and they talked about how they wanted it to be self-illuminated so that mm-hmm. it could be in space and still lit. So they kept, obviously, some of those lights and everything were still on there, so it looked nice. But then the nacelles were also off. So it's essentially like the reflections of the lights around it that are getting the top of the nacelles to give it those, as I think Jack Crusher says, like those retro lines. But it looked really great, but like still very sleek, but also kind of like powered down and turned off. Which I just thought was really cool.
0: And then the blue from their deflector dish is different from the blue in Voyager's deflector dish, and it was the they got the blue, right. You know what I mean? Like it would have been very easy to say, ah, blue is blue. You know what I mean? Like, but the motion picture one is just slightly different. So, maybe a little softer, uh, white. And then the Voyager one, maybe it's because of the surrounding color elements that does it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I I thought they did a fantastic job. Uh, Ryan, I like that we see the enterprise NXO one, uh, modification from a distance because they saved the money shots for what we needed. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so have we, have we covered the Fleet Museum for now? I'm sure we'll revisit it. Uh, the Excelsior it, but is,
2: is the present, don't forget. And then there's a few unnamed. I mean, if you were to go on Memory Alpha, I'm sure you'd find them all. But yeah. I mean, I think there were some, some Makira classes, of course. You're always going to have yeah. Makira class, you know, and all that nonsense, yeah. Yep.
0: The uh, So well Memory Alpha is what I had to use to go into Daystrom Station, which is the next part of this element of this show, and that and that this episode, and that is... Hey, remember this? Remember this? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so here's the list of all the items that are being stored at Daystrom Station, a space station that is apparently very easy to burgle. And which means excellent it being use, op- uh,
2: Brian, Excellent use of the word burgle. <laughs> uh,
0: which kind of defeats the whole uh, black site. Off books element that they're going for, and also <laughs> I just expect more of the Daystrom Institute to be yeah. able to uh defend or hide uh, their
2: their own property. But can we call it? Can we also before we it would be called the Daystrom Institute/slash and morgue? Yeah, because <laughs> it just seems to have <laughs> like for no reason, just no, oh, we throw some corpses in there. Famous people,
1: why not? They're just very high-ranking military officials are set to rest at this unknown station that their friends and family can't visit.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh here's the, yeah, exactly. Here's the, here's what they have stored there. A Reddin androids from Return to Tomorrow from the original series, an attack tribal, the remains of the Borg Queen from First Contact, a Borg Vinculum. Oh my gosh. They have the masks archive there. Yeah. XO3 Android Duplicator. They have a Genesis 2 device. I don't know why they need the device. Why do they need, they have the plans.
2: Because it just does, it's not as cool to see like a, a book with the plants in it, you know?
1: There was okay, one got... rogue scientist like 60 years ago who is very, very into this project.
0: Yeah. Uh, they have Chemocyte. Uh, that was from the Zindi weapon. Oh, okay. James T. <laughs> Kirk's body, Jean Luc Picard's original body, the Catan probe from the inner light, the co- Akoinian explosive device. That's from uh, The Bonding. Interesting call there. A memory virus. Is this the Shades of Grey reference? See, I didn't check. (laughs) I got to be completely honest, listeners. The Days from Station Easter egg hunt that was going on was really upsetting my stomach. So... (laughs) The, the reason why we're talking about the episode this way is because there is a lot of it that felt very anti-story. And so I feel like we should give it the appropriate weight that it offers to the audience. And we should just focus on the cool shit they wanted us to focus on. Yep. So that's what we're doing. Yes. Uh, the Oscillation Overthruster. It's part of the Android specifications. And it's, referenced, it's a reference to Measure of a Man. Portal Weapons. The Pup Probe. The Pup Probe uh, was an alien program believed to be a non-biological life form that came from an unknown location in the Gamma Quadrant. The Pup Probe was in the Forsaken Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, I remember this one now. Okay. That was an early season episode. The Probability Device, from also from Deep Space Nine. Uh, that was the Chris Sarandon episode. Self-sealing Stem Bolt and the Thaleron Generator from uh, Nemesis. And then, of course... Moriarty. So.
1: <laughs> well, I think that was just the hologram from the three different data bodies they had, because they had the new data body before, and I think they had lore as well. Right.
0: So the they must conceit have
2: had access is to lore for sure.
0: Well, the conceit is is that the that Daystrom has decided that this golem, this new body that. That Alton Soong had created intended for himself, but died before he could download him or upload himself into it. But anyway, they have it and they decided like, why don't we make this the security system? Which I think is a stupid idea, but they did it anyway. And uh, and when it recognizes Riker's voice, it starts speaking to Riker, Worf and Raffi who have beamed aboard because they need to figure out what was on the manifest that could have been stolen along with the portal device. So that's basically Data's subconscious starts to leak out through the security program. We get a Raven, which is referenced to I think it's Phantasms. It's one of the dream episodes. It's like one of Data's dream episodes. And then the whistle tune. Goes the and then and then we have Moriarty. Which is from what
2: episode? The, Encounter at Fairpoint?
0: Encounter at Farpoint. And yep. And uh, obviously Moriarty's from two classic episodes, Elementary Deer Data and Ship in a Bottle, which we covered on this show. And I got to be honest, I'm going to say it now. I think it's disappointing the way Moriarty was used in this as just uh, a, a goon bit- who was shooting at them. This is what I thought was going to happen in the previous episode when when uh, they obtained the disruption device or the, the thing that could get past Daystrom's security. I was like, oh, it's Moriarty. Moriarty Same. is the foil oh, yeah. to to the. And it, nope, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> and, well, and it does not know sense I,
2: because everything else is an element of 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 data, right? Except for Moriarty never, never was like a. That's not an element. Like he, yes, he was Sherlock, uh, or played that character, but he was never like. Really, I just don't. think It just seems like a stretch, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think they did a good job. I mean, he was the Moriarty that from Next Generation he was specifically created uh, the computer granted Moriarty, the power to outthink data. Yep. That definitely is meaningful for data. I think. Okay. I just, we had to go through the elements that they talked about. Obviously I'm hearing a lot of, let's talk about the ship some more. So I want to, I want to bring this up real quick. Okay. On April 10th, 2023, Terry Metallus, Star Trek Picard season three showrunner, responded to this viral Twitter prompt by award-winning writer Michael Starbury. The prompt, what is the sexiest non-sex scene in the history of motion pictures? And his response was a quote tweet, and it was just a picture of Admiral Kirk gazing at the refit Enterprise from the six-minute travel pod sequence in the motion picture. (laughs) I would submit to you that this episode represents the raunchiest sex scene in the history of television because there is not an inch of screen real estate and there's almost no moment left where they're not rubbing it to some sort of fan wanking or fan service
2: thing that's going on in this whole episode. This is everything that I was missing from seasons one and two of Picard. And just crammed into one scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I also just quickly want to mention, I love all the ship stuff from this season. Like the Titan and the Nebula, I thought, like fighting the Shriek, I thought all oh, that was great. So it was also say, like, you know, the the episode opens with the beacon and then three new ships warp in to the beacon. And it was like, oh, those ships also look beautiful. And then you cut to like the Titan in front of like a sun or a planet. It's like just absolutely gorgeous shots. Of all the ships,
0: how are we liking the Titan?
2: Okay, I know Matt, and I think already we already disagree because yeah. seeing the work, I think you put it well. They put a lot of work into these ships in this in this episode, right? And I think that <clears> work uh, I'm praying is the excuse for the laziness uh, that they went into designing all the other ships <laughs> that are new, <laughs> uh, and that will be seen. I and mean, I know we don't, you know, uh, spoil any of the rest of the season, uh, but like we've already seen, uh, you know, the show that uh ro was on like just the intrepid it just and then just the reuse of all the star trek online ships Mm. it just really brings home like there was a time when people took pride in creating new ships for star trek you know um hold on hold the phone you didn't like the intrepid the intrepid is that the which ship is the intrepid that's the the one that
0: roe crashed into
2: no not a fan
0: okay here's why i like that because it was a design that they couldn't do during the other series because you have to build a base that you can have a hole in to stick the stand in for when you're shooting the green screen shots. So they designed a ship with the star drive that couldn't be shot physically in the other eras. I thought it looked really cool. I thought You didn't like the Intrepid?
2: No, no. You're nuts. <laughs> no, I don't like the Titan. Uh, I have a
0: I have a blanket argument for why all of the ship designs in the season are, as Matt says, really good. Why we should all be like these are at least B minus. Okay. I do not like looking at the Enterprise in Strange New Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I the space shots in those and that the the, the the it's too gray, it's too dark. Yeah, and it the feels way like that they a little
1: gunmetally. Um, yes
0: yeah it feels too animated too Mm. animated not that it's not animated but you know the titan is also animated but it seems to have a little more texture i'd love if they could just shoot a model of the titan because i feel like you get like a five percent clarity on it that would make it pop but
2: do you do you brian i I don't know if you've covered this before but do you and do you enjoy the appearance of the neo constitution class
0: I, I don't mind it. I, I kind of like the impulse what's going on with those impulse engines, but I don't, I wish they had used it found story reasons to, to use it.
2: You know I what I mean? I like, was uh, still hung up on the fact that it's just a reskin of something that was made. Uh, I know it was fan created if I recall correctly uh, for, you know, the, the period of pretty much motion picture wrath of con that they retooled for, you know, the current time period. So it's just like, it's just, I, I understand, especially like, I think, The scene with uh, Jack when he's waxing poetic about the Enterprise A is kind of the same reason uh, that we ended up with the the Titan, you know, taking the best of that ship uh, and repackaging it. But I I think it's just the back. You know, I think I would like it better if they just said it was a new ship and it wasn't just the freaking. Oh, so you're caught up on the You're caught up on the world. I'm caught up on the lore. I'm caught up on Uh, the lore. And that's kind of like my thing is like I I do like ships, but it's not just the aesthetics. It's also just, like, the background, you know? Uh, I'm that kind of nerd. And it's just I know it's probably frustrating to a lot of people out there, but yeah.
1: I do really like the Titan, and I feel like the neck is the only thing that kind of, like... I'm not a fan of the thicker necks like the Excelsior and Enterprise B. I kind of like the thinner necks. So it's like, oh, if there was just, like, a little... But also, like, if it's a spaceship, you don't really... It's real estate that you can use. So I get it. It's just, like, uh, a few tweaks, and it'd be, like, a really top tier ship for me, it, but
0: it's, it's the area around the saucer or the um, deflector dish it's mm. too smooth and round. It kind of looks like um, when you hold your breath and you puff out your cheeks. And so there's just an element to it that it, it just looks like a little puffy cheek and it, like, it's almost balloon, like some stray thoughts. First things first, Terry metallis doesn't know me. He and I had a Reddit uh, the day after the finale aired and uh, my issue with this episode was that it was too much and it had, it was sort of anti-story. There was a plot and the characters went through it, but it felt way too much like a goofy special comic book issue that you might pick up. Hmm. That's like uh, a, a, like a tie in to something where, you know, the ships are like, the ship reveals are like splash pages, right? And then you have all the little details in the background, and every all the dialogue is basically like we just need to get through this episode. So just say exactly what's going on. There's no subtext, you know. We're gonna just have to hope our actors can and make this seem like it has a veneer of reality, which I don't think the episode really does. Uh, even though you've got Patrick
2: Stewart in there and Ed Spaliers and LeVar Burton bringing it. I, I hard disagree. Hard disagree, Brian. I think this is the best episode of Star Trek. And this is why, besides all the ships, it brings all my favorite ships together, except for one, which is the Equinox, which is my all time favorite. Don't ask me why. I don't know why, but it is. Uh, Actually, I do know why. It's because. You would never assert
0: that. You never assert to other people in mixed company in conversation that the Equinox is the best ship.
2: You're just saying that's your favorite. That's my favorite. Yes, it's not the best. It's my favorite. And it's because it, you know, its whole history of being a throwaway and the you know the ds9 technical manual and then they were like hey let's make that into a ship for this episode and it's like oh this is beautiful yeah i'm looking up photos of it now and it does look pretty nice it's it's a good you know uh equinox it's a it's a fun episode i like i love that content anyway that's a whole nother episode (laughs) hope you cover it brian if you haven't already definitely a, a must must do um i would fuck that one uh, real hard. I mean, trek it. I would trek it. <laughs> trek it. Real no, hard. marry
0: it. Oh, you would. Marry well, it. trek is like yeah. trek is like. Yeah, that's good. But marry it. Mary yeah, no, is. No, I would marry one. it.
2: I would marry yeah, the the crap out of that one. <laughs> marry um, the fuck out yeah, of it. Yeah, Got yes, it. Yes. <laughs> Jordy says a lot. This is my message. This is my. This is why. Because it's it's a metaphor for Star Trek for this episode as a whole in the episode where Jordy is talking about sometimes we give you know basically the whole thing is what we give to our children right? Uh, just like what does Star Trek give? to its spin-offs, right? Uh such as Picard. And then you 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 see, you know, Jean-Luc comes to the realization that maybe there were some good elements that he did hand off. And I think seeing all of our our, our grandpas and grandmas and all the, the, the you know the, the big daddy ships and the big mommy ships, right? And it's like they we maybe maybe there's something good in this Picard, you know, uh that we can latch on to. You see, you see what I'm saying? You guys get I'm just it.
0: saying that the Easter egg farm that they go to plus the, the fleet museum, the, the first of all, the fleet museum part of the story is actually a story. It could oh. have been the whole episode. Oh yeah. It's Easily. the daystrom stuff on top of it. Plus the daystrom stuff really not having any, substance to it it's all just exposition and it's trying to be it's trying to like trick you and and basically it's a security program foil it's trying to your bullshit sensors going off like are they just doing this because they need to get from point a to point b like no Moriarty's
2: over here ignore that brian they leave to the museum what is it they have it's like hey guys we have to go because there's federation starships here shooting at us we'll be back in an hour yeah
0: yeah Terry Metallus sensed my aggressive dislike in the ether. And he was asked in his Reddit AMA that came out right after the finale aired on Friday, the Friday after. And he was asked, hi, Terry, what was the hardest story point to crack in this season? And he wrote all of it. At the speed of making television, most people don't understand the process of making television requires us writers to make story decisions impossibly fast because we have to feed the production beast uh, scripts or they shut us down and fire us all. So it's are we going to Fleet Museum and Daystrom in the same episode for a double dose of nostalgia and we lean into the Easter egg episode and take our licks from aggro fans or go to Space Tortuga and have Seven get help from a pirate Fenris Ranger, Naomi Wildman. But can we build that set? What is that story? Quick, we need an answer. But don't we want to see Jordy? It's episode six. Of course we do, you idiot. It's all high pressure. Basically, they had a short amount of time to do this. They definitely thought, is this the best idea? And they're like, well, we don't really have another avenue to pursue. We don't have time to do any other, anything else. So let's just do this and do it as best we can. Terry Metellus is giving me the double middle fingers. And he's telling me to f*** off,
2: and I hear you. (laughs) And I'm glad he did, because I'll say, I think we can all safely say as a whole, this season, even at this point uh, in in the season, is so much stronger than anything we've seen before. He's waving those middle fingers, and I'm eating it up, you know what I mean?
1: The episode does kind of like this nice little trick where, because when I first saw it, it was like my favorite thing ever blown away the whole episode was great but they did that because there's so much stuff that kind of like distracts you that on rewatching, it watch i've rewatched it a few times for the podcast and everything and especially the daystrom stuff like something makes less sense every time i watch that
2: yeah but the first time it <laughs> yeah. never occurred
1: to me because it was just like oh like everything that was going on was awesome
2: yeah the ships can fire uh weapons at us that will allow us to be tracked even though we can already be tracked Yeah, because the ship Uh, itself has everything. Yeah, well, the the, the
0: premise. Yes, the premise was those echelon class ships can, if they hit us with their weapons, those weapons will do damage to the point where we will leak an ion trail that they can follow. And it's like, you can do that in the original series. You can do that throughout all of next generation when a ship now, are they trying to say that? Maybe now in the post-Dominion War era, it's harder for ships to track each other. Okay, but okay, Uh, I can maybe go with that. Yeah, I can. Go, I can maybe it, go with it. right? I, yes, but I can. I can maybe go with the well, the ion trail thing. We, we didn't want to deal with, and and it's just harder to track warp signatures and all that stuff now. Because remember, Deep Space Nine and Voyager was like warp signature, warp signature, warp yeah. signature. Even Enterprise, warp signature. The the pilot of Enterprise is is to Paul showing dumb humans how to like track ion trails, all that stuff. And so okay, so they can mask it. But guess what? You also establish that the ships are all networked. Oh, yes. and, if, and if the Titan gets close to other ships, then they connect. Yep. So when the Titan warps away, why don't those ships just warp after the goddamn
2: ship? Yeah. I, don't I, I didn't think you got it, but you got it. Yeah, that's that's it. It's so ridiculous. It's yep. but but you know what? That's the, the pleasure of this season is they go. And I think to your point of going fast, if you if you just let it go, just let it go and just wave over you like water. You know, it's, it really is such a, especially by the time, you know, later episodes come, it's just like, okay, whatever. (laughs) My my problem is, is that I pay too close attention. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I think you're right on though. Like you, one of my favorite uh, quotes that you guys had on, on your episode covering the first episode of this season uh, was just the, the ticking clock of Patrick Stewart. (laughs) So it's like trying to get as much content out of him as we can, you know, before the inevitable. <laughs> so I think this is, you know, plays in plays a part in that, but
0: so that you addressed one of my stray thoughts. Another stray thought is Picard specifically says burgle, but then later at the very end of the episode uh, he asked data during the the evening of the robbery, something was taken. uh excuse me, legally, a robbery is a crime against a person, and a burglary is a crime against a building or thing yeah, so anyway uh daystrom android m five ten the new data has projectors in his eyeballs, but they're not even four k projectors. And What's up also... with the blurry force Ghost yeah. imaging Star Wars imaging? Rafi, when she beams aboard for a minute, I forgot that I was like, "Wait, are they not even going to interact?" Because say what you want about the first two seasons of Star Trek: Picard, but Rafi is firmly established as like Picard's late in life relationship. Like that's yeah, undeniably she
1: was like the Riker after Riker.
0: Yes, exactly Go right. Ahead. And she's screwed up and all that stuff, and he's been a bad friend to her. That's fine, but like it's there. So I, I'm okay. glad I. I'm glad in this re- these rewatches, I'm like, oh, she does talk to him. But she calls him Jean-Luc, yep. which is an unacceptable retcon, Terry yeah. Metallus, yeah. sir. Call yeah. him JL so that you have it out because all Star Trek fans were like, why is she only calling him JL? That's weird. But it became her thing. And so if she had said it, it would have maintained the integrity of everything that's being done. And it would have given you a moment where all the characters look at him like
2: JL. <laughs> what the fuck? this is his JJ <laughs> Abrams fun. moment. This is his JJ Abrams right. moment this, of just killing totally right. the previous showrunner. Yep. You
0: know. Yeah. Uh, Admiral uh, Worf says, "Admiral, we must ensure that Ro death was not in vain to protect both Starfleet and her kin." I I, I rewound this six times and I looked at the subtitles. The subtitle says, "Her kin." Uh, now I thought maybe he's actually saying your kin because he knows that Jack is important and all this stuff. And maybe yeah. that's what he's actually saying. It's, it's like a weird thing. Uh, but it just caught me when I heard it. And then I was watching the subtitles. Um, why is daystrom station in space?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, I no don't understand. understand. Why, why it, no one there? If it's all this well, like high, yeah.
0: Well, I'm okay with no one being there, but but like, let me be more detailed because this is one of my other nitpicks, I guess. or straight thoughts is like, the only people who should be there are the people who are supposed to be there. So the computer saying "welcome visitor" makes no <laughs> fucking sense. No, <laughs> it's like, wait, no, that it's an off-book site.
1: Why is the computer entertaining the idea that there are visitors? To well, this? maybe that was that. But, uh... Chip like the disruption thing that they go to the they station. They not put it, it in yet. A... They not put oh, it in yet. Okay. Well, no.
0: By the way, would it made way more sense if they did use the chip before they beamed aboard because Worf was able to just turn around and open like a little cabinet, yeah, and then just put the chip in, and it's like, okay, then the Daystrom station is not that sophisticated. But like, for example, uh, they study other civilizations behind cloaked duck blinds, right? Put put yeah. station mm-hmm. and, a, and a cloaking device on a moon. No one's gonna. No one's gonna notice it. One of the ships is named Sternbach for Rick Sternbach, the famous Star Trek illustrator. Question: Ryan, you'll know this. May, maybe yes. Matt, you will. Did you have the cutaway cross section poster of the Enterprise D? And was that Rick Sternbach who did that?
2: I have that right next to me. It's in my bookshelf. It I was one of my that.
0: favorite things growing up. Trekcore, uh, their Twitter account. Posted, uh, tweeted that the other day. uh, As of this recording, and they're like, "Who had this in their room?" And I'm like, "And I saw it, and I was suddenly 13 again." I'm like, "I did," (laughs) and I stared. I I want it back. Where is it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wharf and Rafi have their own ship, Mm -hmm. so there's no obvious reason why they need to even go to the Titan in the first place. And then they hitch a ride back to Daystrom, and then Seven says, "We've warped close enough to beam you inside without alerting Starfleet." And then they have to, like, just throw this all in there. Rose Intel had a workaround for the transport inhibitors. <laughs> it's like, so the writers have thought of everything. And in doing so, they are telling us we've thought of everything. And there's a part of me that's like, I wouldn't have thought of that if you hadn't brought it up. Yep. <laughs> so now you have and I'm thinking about it. So I don't know that you did your job there. And then actually there's a couple of things. Let's save the data stuff and let's save my other thing for later. Let's get into the grades. Okay. Okay. Sure. We'll start with
1: great scenes. Let's go with Matt. Of course, off the top of my head, uh, Seven talking to Jack, showing off all the ships, especially the highlight being her recounting her experience on Voyager. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. You have the Voyager musical cue. That comes in and just like a really nice recap of her emotional journey on that ship where, you know, she became human again. I also thought her talking about that it made its name like further out than all the other relics. I thought it was just like a really nice kind of like, I don't know, like a sense of pride. So I thought that was really good. Um, that oh, scene... was beautiful. Yep. Well, well I, let's
0: stay on this for just a second. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the word for that scene for me was lovely. Yes. It was a nice moment between her and Jack as well. It's like yep. a good moment of Jack not running around or yelling at someone, yeah, or being you know uh, defensive or indignant or anything like that. I liked her little menu that she had that she was yep. flipping through. That was cool. Or you could see the outlines of all the ships. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, not just the Voyager part, but just talking it all out. Uh, yeah. No, oh, the the thing with the whales when they yep. see the yep. the bounty. Ryan, no no comments on the
2: on the beautiful Voyager moment. I would just say the bounty thing. I'm kind of. Just that the cloaking device turned on when it sunk to the uh, bottom of the ocean, like, and it was lost for several years. The cloak on, that show yep. was that ship had just made it through time. I don't <laughs> think it had a lot of power.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I like that as just kind of like a fun little extra addition of like, oh, this other thing happened to it, and they eventually found it. Yep, I like that too. I didn't
0: like that the cloaking device works a hundred years later.
1: Yeah, oh, that's fair. I also was when they got to Daystrom, and this may have been you know some rumors I'd heard seeping into my head, but I kind of thought that they would get off the Titan and steal one of the other ships, especially the Bounty. When they mentioned the cloaking device, it's like, oh, the kids are going to steal that ship. Go my back
2: first. My thought up. was like budget, budget, budget. Like they built, I know that they had to repurpose yep. the set for you know the Stargazer for Titan. And like knowing yeah. that, it's like, I, I that's true. They're not doing even. a the Klingon so like, ship break. Yeah.
0: Well, they built the Stargazer set for the Titan. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the way to look at it. And then also, that X ship was, was the Lost Serena repurposed, which mm-hmm. is why we don't get the Lost Serena after four, uh, episode three, I think.
2: Yeah. Ryan, what about you? What about a great scene from you? Great scenes. Mine would be Jordy and his daughter when he was bringing yep. up the, uh, you know, I, I I'm more upset at myself for not you know not being my younger self. Uh, I thought that was really well done, and just you know honestly, the scene between Picard and 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 his son. I I love the actor that plays Jack Crusher, Ed spoilers. Yeah, he does a I, I really res, like. I think he does a really fun job with that character. Uh, a lot better than maybe Ed Hardy. Or, uh, Tony, what's his name? Uh, to, uh, Ed Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> Ed Hardy is a, I believe, a lifestyle or, yeah, yeah, I will. (laughs) Yeah, he's better than Ed Hardy. But no, on the holodeck, I mean, it's a lot of those moments between father, you know, uh, father and child really touched me. Maybe because I'm a dad, but, you know. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I felt, like, a little iffy on Jack this season, but talking to Brian and, especially, like, you've already mentioned this in one of the other episodes that he's doing, like, such a, like, almost an impossible task with the character, that it is kind of like, you know what, I do appreciate him a lot more, and and especially this episode, I feel like is geared to make you like him a lot more. I agree. Matt, do you have any other great scenes? Um, I was also going to bring up the Geordi and because especially like, because Geordi is also one of my favorite characters from Next Generation. So especially seeing him in the earlier scenes where he's like fighting against Picard, it's like, oh, come on, guys, don't fight, like be friends. So like the fact that we get the, you know, reconciliation at the very end and then reconnecting with the daughter was uh, very nice. Um, I did like Worf and Rafi's arrival, where they do the introductions again. Uh, Worf has the pretty fun line. It was just a kind of sweet seeing them all together again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Geordi part of this, we're kind of bearing because we're talking about all the ships, but it's so it was so great to have LeVar Burton back and seeing oh, yeah. him. But the other great scene that I, for me was after they get past Moriarty and they're doing all the exposition, but they're talking about Data's body and we've got the Alton Soon uh, speech about what he was planning to do and then they, it kind of leads into this montage. Yeah, like intercuts. Yeah, intercuts. I liked all that and it's all the stuff between Jordy and Picard where they're trying to work things out yeah. and yeah, they they come to be friends again. We gotta throw it in there. A, a great scene is when Jordy LaForge gets the hero moment. Oh yeah. Establish to hook up the cloaking device yep. and they give him the hero's entrance. He's like, let me do
1: it. <laughs> and you stay away from my daughter.
0: Yes. So I think that should, that moment should at least be in there. And then we yep. haven't really talked about that uh, as goofy. This episode is so fucking goofy. <laughs> they, they get, they come back from daystrom and then Worf steps aside to reveal data as though, yep. Jordy wouldn't have seen him on the pad. That, yeah. You know, it's just like it's all the, just the in camera that they're revealing him. But look, anything that reminds us, because since the movies, we have lost the thread that Jordy and Data since generations. Jordy and Data yep. are friends. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and we, we haven't gotten that. So Star Trek Picard for season three, because God knows one and two didn't. Season three f- firmly brings us back to. Jordy and Data are friends. Yeah, um, and that was a nice moment for them to be reunited. Yep, agreed. Best Trek tropes.
2: The glamour shots. Let's just open it up oh, with yeah. the number one. The glamour shots of those ships, man. Like exactly like we've been dancing, you know, around the whole time. Uh, yep. We've been talking today. Give me some of those great exteriors of of those ships. You know,
1: uh, for me, I was going to say the phasers. Um, especially, I love that Worf has the beam phasers. Uh, which are the style I like. They're the style we use on Prodigy. It's just long, straight beams. And yeah, I like seeing those back. I love the use of transporter inhibitors. Very realistic. Um, (laughs) Well done. Oh, perfect communicator timing. Because there was a scene at the very beginning of the thing where Jack is yelling at Picard and Jack kind of like gives his mic drop line and starts walking out. And that's the exact time when Seven of Nine pings picard on the communicator it's like okay we're going into the next scene but this conversation is over and there is no like overlap and that happens a lot just kind of like people talking in a hallway their conversation ends and right as it ends the communicator beeps and you're off the next scene
0: uh, i think i already stepped on this by in the great scenes with Jordy entering but basically the the last minute tech fix to save the day so getting yep. the cloaking fix would be the best trick all right Worst Trek tropes.
2: The uh, the cloaking device being the size of like something you could carry onto a ship, uh, and then it, it just needing to be plugged into the ship to work. It's kind of a fun bad Trek trope, you know, that they just carry back from, you know. Uh, the original series?
0: Remember in uh, the Deep Space Nine episode, the Emperor, Emperor's New Cloak, They it's basically that, and then the device itself cloaks,
1: so yeah, then gosh. they're carrying nothing, yeah.
0: and then they drop it. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs>
1: Are <laughs> right, any other uh, worst Trek tropes? I also have. uh He's a phenomenal actor, but I do have down data playing multiple characters. uh <laughs> That's great, that does... Brent Spiner playing. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's amazing. And like when you see him like pop in and out of some of the other characters, it's kind of fun. Although I didn't like that the first lines he had were like, "I'm lore, I'm before." It was like, oh, like. There's like, you know, part of me where it's like, oh, I think we could figure out that those are the personalities he's going through because he is like nailing the tones and inflections of them. But there is also like I understand from a screenwriting standpoint, it's like, okay if people aren't familiar, he's now a different person, specifically these guys and he's naming them and stuff like that.
0: Well, technically, he started as Alton Soon. But yes, I see what you're saying. In the body, he's doing the different voices and all the, the writing does not help him there. It's just labeling you. (laughs) Uh, Yes, That's a great one. So this is the perfect time. I was like, I was wondering where I was going to drop this in that last scene though, in sick Bay, after they've hooked him back up and turned him back on, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get an answer out of him of what did the changelings take data was the most who's on first level (laughs) bullshit. Like the whole episode was set up of like, we need to figure out what else they took with the portal weapon. And then we finally, Oh, then they figure out like, Oh, the manifest. Oh, data is the manifest. Now we need to get data off of here. And then we need to get data to tell us, but before we can get data to tell us, we have to integrate these personalities or turn them on and then ask him the right series of questions. And then he's malfunctioning. And then we have to ask him again. And it's just like, it gets dragged out to this comedic effect that was just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that the Daystrom storyline touched in this episode, oh, just made me cringe very much. But what a great, <laughs> I like that you put it as worst Trek trope, Matt, because I think a lot of Star Trek fans would go, "Brent Spiner, going for it. Yeah. <laughs> but well, you're like, no, we've seen it.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's just like, I feel like if it was just like, data and lore it would be in my best truck tropes but i i'm a little tired of all the some children and i think everybody is yes
0: i think you're totally right but i I think i didn't include this comment but terry metallis was like you can't have a next generation reunion without data so we have to figure out a way to bring data back into the story and for the most part i kind of thought it worked
2: yeah i agree i agree
0: is he human well, he's as close to being human as he's ever gonna be. Because whatever well, he's in, as Geordi yeah. says, it's
2: not the it's not the old data. This isn't yeah. quite the Android body
1: he had, it's something else.
2: With still holographic eyes. That's all I'm just yeah, okay. Just
1: to right, on right. Oh, I wonder if Picard's body has those as well and he just hasn't used I know.
0: Them. Yeah, that would have been a funny beat if he... <laughs> well Beverly does say he's like you yep. <laughs> and it would have been funny if but that's too serious he's showing Picard's corpse he couldn't have said I can't do that yep.
2: just have... I just want to see Picard in his quarters like trying to like activate my holographic <laughs> <podiatric laughs>
1: like,
2: show oh, me that.
1: Yeah. how do I, how do I... <laughs> going through the corpse's user manual just trying to yeah. like okay what yes. does this have Most of its time quality. Uh, I don't know if it's, because of all the nostalgia in the episode, I don't want to say that's like an of its time, even though there is like a lot of nostalgia stuff in our culture now. But I'm also like, we talked about the motion picture and what is a six minute introduction of the Enterprise, if not just nostalgia. So they've been doing it since at least the 70s in the show. But I want to say um, just kind of like a little bit of a reveal that we, the audience, get, but then they keep drawing it out. Until the reveal, and that's especially with uh, Theron Daystrom, and Riker figures out that it's the song Pop Goes a Weasel, and he's like, ooh, this is Data. But he doesn't say it's Data. He, like, is a little coy about it. But then we've also seen some of the really good uh, remastered footage from Encounter at Farpoint. So, again, like, if you're fans and stuff, you're like, okay, it's Data. But then there's still like a little bit of a beat while they do the reveal to data. And it's like, okay, you're dragging this out a little bit more. And I don't know if that's like an, of its time, but it kind of feels like, I don't know, just like drawing out the entrance, even though we knew at the start kind of what it was. But they scientifically
0: know something because I am a hundred percent with you, Matt. I firmly support this most of its time because I was feeling that same way. And then it still kind of worked on me and I was annoyed by that. <laughs> it's like, I just watched encounter at far point and the aspect yeah. ratio is weird and all that stuff. Cause they have to fit it to the Picard one. And then yeah. it's like, I know data it's data. I got it. <laughs> like I understand. And it still worked. So yeah. yes, I think most of it's time they have the, the research, the market research, the behavioral decision-making research to know, that they can, like, maybe you have to push 30 buttons for some people and you have to push 60 buttons for other people to get the, or or only 10 buttons for, for uh, some people for the nostalgia to work. The 10 is in the 30. So if you hit those 10, you'll get, you'll still get a response.
2: Yeah, it's. It's nuts. Ryan, what about you? You know, I think it's going to be something we've already really touched on. And that's just the simple walk through the corridors of the Daystrom uh, facility where it's just like seeing all of these Easter eggs. Mm. It's like the Mandalorian and like most yeah. of Star Trek now where it's like it's just an over reliance on the past uh, to really carry on the the material. It's like, oh, we have to make we have to do this, you know, to to really yeah. lock on the fans. <laughs> We
0: didn't really talk about Vatic in this episode, but, you know, she's in it and she effectively bookmark or uh,
1: bookends the episode. Yeah, she does have like the recap of the series. Like, this is where we are now at the very beginning, which I know you also just brought up uh, today. Episode two of this podcast dropped. So that's fresh in my head. Um, yeah. But yeah, you were talking about like, oh, yeah, like all these scenes that kind of recap what's been happening. So that's kind of like. Okay, just in case you're a little confused with the Changelings. Yes, they're Changelings. Yes, they're after revenge. The guy mentions Federation Day. So, like, this is where we are. The of its
0: time is just, I. I we've said this before in other sh- about uh, the other shows, but especially in the 21st century, for some reason, it's just there's no nuance in any of the villains. And they're just mm. super mustache twirly evil. And even if Amanda Plummer is being weird with it, you know, she's still killing her own crew members for mouthing off and killing security officers, you know, when she's shape shifting and then she captures Riker. And it's just like, there's nothing subtle about it. There's nothing surprising about it. There's nothing interesting. And so it feels very perfunctory and uninteresting. And Mm -hmm. you're relying on instead the visualization of it, the directing and the performance to kind of you know, gloss over that part that there's not really much substance to it. Now it's time for the line must be drawn. Yeah,
1: great lines. So I think one of the ones that's instantly going to be a classic, Jordy has kind of like, oh, you're like, you know, bleeding in the nacelles and, you know, your ship's wrecked and everything. And then it cuts to Shaw and he says, yeah, it's been a weird week.
0: (laughs) We didn't really talk about that. Shaw nerding out, meeting Jordy LaForge. Yeah. I'm on the fence about the idea that they're so famous, like actually famous in yep. Starfleet that people know them. I'm on the fence, but it was so well done. I, I went with it because, you yep. know, LaForge wasn't when he met Scotty, he wasn't like uh, Montgomery Scott.
1: Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, <Yep>. no. <laughs> he was just like, I got to work. Nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, especially because Shaw has been so antagonistic to most of the other heroes like, you know, Picard, and Riker and but like to geek out on Geordie, which I think we all would, you know, LeVar Burton, he's awesome.
2: Yeah. I would say my favorite line uh, was when Worf was with Seven of Nine and Rafi and they were about to beam down talking about, you know, I'm going into battle with, I've gone into battle with lovers countless times. It can be therapeutic if, and then, you know, they respond, I'm not going. And, you know, he's like, that's a relief.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was practicing deceit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it was just very classic, like Worf, you know, I just loved it.
1: When the Titan returns to Daystrom uh, and they say like, oh, you know, we're going to cloak in and get you out. And Riker says like, cloak with what? And Worf says, my guess, superior Klingon technology. Oh yeah. His delivery was fantastic. I mean, the other one I would also highlight is uh, just the Moriarty had like all his lines were very fun and poetic. So when he says, my, how time has spun you all apart. Oh yeah, I just like just as a line with gravity toss. I kind of like that. Oh, I like Riker saying F sharp. Yep. <laughs> um, I just cause it really brings back
2: like, oh yeah, he plays trombone. You know, yep. like he knows yep. music.
0: So yeah, Daniel Davis was Moriarty, and in the two Moriarty episodes we've done for Trek Mary Kill, uh, the three Kristen and Laurie and Brian who are our co-hosts for those episodes. All of us flipped out for Daniel Davis and he was great here too. It was just like the role felt extra silly in a way that it didn't in the other two. And it's uh, for me personally, I probably shouldn't have watched the Moriarty episodes before <laughs> watching this one. My, that was my mistake.
2: Yeah. So. yeah. there you go. That's absolutely it.
0: <laughs> All right. Vadic, we will scorch the earth under which he stands and the night will brighten with the ashes of the Federation and from them we will rise. I think that's, that's good villain. Yep. Worf Picard says it's been too long. And Worf says 11 years, five months, four days, minus your infrequent messages and the annual bottle of sour mead, the <laughs> continuing runner of people shitting on Chateau Picard. Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> Calling it sour mead and then doubling down after Picard's like Chateau Picard, what? Yep. Sour mead. And he says, it is quite tart, sir. <laughs>
1: Uh, he also does in that scene have um. After Rafi mentions he's been studying, Worf does has the line up. The most advantageous battle stance is being one with oneself.
0: Yeah, he when they're on the station, he says, "Let us continue the search, but tread lightly. We will not be prey. We will be friendly energy." <laughs> <laughs> which were and that leads Riker to say, "I don't understand the world anymore," which I'm sure a lot of people like. But Riker has a uh, three. 2023isms uh, lines of yep. dialogue that one and then he says oof in response to something which is something <laughs> i say uh, and then he says seriously you know it's uh, it's riker talking like he's writing for yeah anyway the yep. card oh uh jordy leave it to you jean luc to turn fatherhood into into an intergalactic incident
2: yes i uh, love that one that was a good one too yeah
0: Jack to Seven, and this is a good line shading his character, which we didn't know at the time. We all long for connection, but we're just a little bit alone, aren't we? Stars in the same galaxy, but light years between. Which leads Seven into a great line. Oh, you are definitely your father's son. He too has a knack for the um, poetic drive-by observation. <laughs> it can be very annoying, but it can also make a person feel seen. And then Sydney's line She's talking about all the subtext and saying, like, why do you think I got in all those crashes Yeah, so we could work together? It's like all that stuff. She's But the one line of hers that I really – because I like the sentiment. I like the emotion. That makes sense to me. That's really sweet. It's really touching. But the only way they could get us to that point is just to have them say it, which is okay. Yeah. But the one part of that, that type of writing that I did like was when she says, you built amazing things, but me, I just wanted to fly them. I thought yeah. that was really sweet. Uh, jack saying oh yeah the whole whale thing i mean come on that's that's got to be on <laughs> a t-shirt in yeah. the star trek 4 font and then i have two lines left uh i'll say jack's first because it's a little bit shorter uh he, this line to picard maybe you didn't just give me some bullshit to seize maybe you gave me some of the good bits as well i think that was nice yeah. and then this is alton soon's line which has extra resonance because of the images they're showing it's showing the fleet museum and i think it speaks to what terry Metalis and the writers are trying to say about what star trek the franchise the ip should be doing he says before i gifted picard my golem my intention was to live beyond my years to become my own legacy Shots fired at Discovery and Strange New Worlds? I don't know. Now I see in my final days that wasn't just poor humanity. It was poor science because evolution is not an act of preservation. It's addition. And he's saying Aww. all this while the showing up. So I was like, that is interesting and, and poignant. And Ryan, you mentioned before, is this his rise of Skywalker? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, or Last Jedi, whatever it is, yeah. uh, some sort of, of response to what's going on, not just in the show. It works for the show, obviously, but ov- it also has a certain other resonance given the images that they're showing. So yeah. we didn't talk about this. We left no place for it. This is a perfect place for other great lines. Mm-hmm. The Star Trek for the Voyage Home music cues, the themes yep. are, yeah. are dropped in there. We've got the Voyager theme, the Deep Space Nine theme. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of motion picture in there. The original series, yeah. I'm sure there's, and First Contact. So great lines of music. Yeah, um,
1: I notice whenever Worf is on screen, they typically go with the old Klingon theme. I feel yes. right. Yeah, yep.
0: Yes, uh, they use that in the movies too. It became Worf's. You know, okay. a Klingon, yeah. so it's gets the Klingon thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Anton Credian Award for best performance. Who do we think gave the best performance? Matt, you go first. Maybe we'll all
1: agree. Just for this episode, I would give it to Jerry Ryan for her Voyager recap. I again, oh, you said that scene was oh, lovely and that's a that's just kind of like where I feel like, oh yeah, she really and granted I did recently finish my rewatch of Voyager, so like yeah, it's a little fresh in my mind, but yeah, I really appreciate that moment and I thought she really nailed it. Right, I'm super interested. Do we have challenge to Jerry Ryan? Absolutely, and
2: we've already brought it up. And I'm kind of really excited to uh, to put it in my corner. Uh, I'd say it was Brent Spiner mm. cycling through every oh my character gosh. he has ever played. <laughs> uh, I think he did such a tremendous job uh, showcasing the, the slight variations in all his
1: characters. Yeah, I love before and yep. <laughs> lore. You know, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, just in the perfect inflections that they would use it's
2: great if that means i'm a sucker then <laughs> consider me a sucker i'm a lollipop
0: i guess we're giving out three this time or three people up to share it although i am leaning jerry ryan out you mentioned it mm-hmm. but lavar burton in basically every scene he's in yeah,
2: is yeah he's absolutely great and i know and yeah, so that's yeah. why
0: i was kind of like no i mean at the fir- at the first time i watched the episode i was so overwhelmed by Puh, puh, puh. all the nostalgia i'm like i don't need this much sugar come on stop uh but and i could kind have of, kind of missed it and yep. then this time around it was weighed even more and i mean it weighed it registered before but this time even more so his dynamic with sydney and alondra was great we haven't even really talked about the daughters the laforge sisters you know i'm yeah. a huge fan of ashley sharp chestnut as sydney
1: sydney is great yeah. yes
0: yeah, so we don't get enough of Alondra, so it's not Micah Burton, it's not like a like a, a slide on her. It's just we don't get enough of her, yeah. but she's good in this episode.
1: Just the little like bits you get that like it really they do in such a short time give you like a really good sense of the family dynamic. Yes, where like the sisters will say like w- like uh he's like that, but then they like keep walking in a way that I feel like real siblings would.
2: Yeah, they have very yeah. different. Like obviously, she's the sister that stuck with dad. While well, the other one's off adventuring, you know, and it's like you—you you kind of feel that, but they're still connected. And it's yeah. not like you're over the top. Well, oh, they're bitter about each other, or anything like that. It's just you know you can tell they're like they feel like a family.
0: Yeah. All right, so well, I guess Jerry Ryan and Lavar
2: Burton and Brent Spiner. You said three way, didn't you? I'm pretty sure you said. three-way. I guess we're gonna have to
0: yeah. give it all. I
1: think we're gonna have to give it to all three then. That's okay. okay. yeah. fair. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, the Shatner. So for this one, it. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I would say Daniel Davis because his character Moriarty was just, again, so different and out there versus like the way everybody else is talking.
0: I like that one, and he had to really go for it. He only was there a day. Mm. He did all of his, he shot out his whole thing in a day. I, I,
2: you know, I love his performance. Is it possible to give the Anton Caridian Award and the Shatner to the same person?
0: We've done it before. Okay. We did it with I, Amanda Plummer. Yeah. I but would, who do you I got? Mean,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Brent Spiner and just the same scene of just going through all his characters. He's just giving it all. I like
0: that. It's good. Matt, should we disagree with him? Because Daniel Davis, well, no, we're giving. No, They both we're both saying they did a good job. and That's what we said for Anton Cridion. Yeah. Great. This is great. We have multiple. Co-winters. It's fantastic. Co-winters. Yeah. All right. Which
1: part of this incident Will they be teaching at Starfleet Academy when the Academy goes to visit the tour museum. Now, there's going to be an extra like five minutes added to the bounty display talking about how they had to steal the cloaking device, and that's why I'm sure the cloaking device is now located at Daystrom because we can't put it back in that ship or something. But Ryan,
0: any
2: other thoughts on what part of this they might be teaching at Starfleet Academy? Transporter inhibitors, you know, just trying to just just the whole class on transport inhibitors and what a, a pain in the ass they are. That would be, that's fine.
0: So Riker gets shot with a transport inhibitor tag. And yeah. it is funny watching the same, you know, people on Twitter reacting to all these things. And then, getting upset at certain things is like, does it, I know no one wants to think about insurrection, but remember when the Sona were tagging the villagers and then they were immediately beaming away. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult to do the reverse of that. Yeah. Or you could shoot inhibitors at people. It seems totally fine. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to go totally wild with my Starfleet Academy lesson. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Emergency field music recognition. Because Riker identifying those notes in the heat of battle when, they, when the, it's crunch time, I
1: mean, yeah. my goodness. Yeah.
0: I know yeah. Riker's a musician, but that was like tactical music. So Yeah,
1: that was, yeah. No, it was beautiful. Change it from an elective class to a required course.
0: <laughs> well, you know how in other Star Treks, it's always like, I took one emergency field course and that's how I'll be able to turn this pile of rocks into a warp drive. But, yep. you know, it's like that kind of thing. For Star Trek Picard season three, we're doing a... a new grade right before we ask Trek mirror kill and that is uh, Picard mentioned in the season premiere he'll be writing his memoirs maybe so we're asking what part of this episode might Picard embellish or just omit omit entirely from his memoirs
1: Matt I would say he would tone down the arguments that he had with Geordi and maybe throw in say something like oh Geordi had like concern for his family but ultimately decided to help us out or Something like that, not just kind of like, oh, there are multiple scenes of him arguing back and forth and stuff like that. So I think it would just be kind of like very quick, smooth over. Jordy's is on our side now.
2: <laughs> I think he's going to uh, basically rewrite history to make it that he was the one that beamed over to the bounty to steal the cloaking device. And it was his idea to install it into the ship.
0: You um, think, I don't think he would, you think you would steal a son's valor like that?
2: I absolutely think so, yes, because he's close to death, and what else does he have to lose?
1: (laughs) I feel like in a court case, like in the trial after this, he would definitely put the blame on himself, but I feel like he would give the credit to the kids for that. I mean, maybe he said they came with. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was cute that the kids were like, let's go steal a cloaking device. And it it, definitely,
2: it it grew, you know, obviously we're seeing the relationship grow between Jack and, and uh, what's LaForge's side? Sydney. Yeah. Which I'm sure for, you know, Star Trek legacy, we'll see that play out more.
0: In the scene where Sydney is talking to Jordy about, you know, they're finally like, this is why I got in all those crashes so that we could we could just be together and whatever. (laughs) When she says that line, I really wish because Alondra kind of not disappears. She's like in the background. Um, But in in that final scene, she says, why do you think I crashed so many speeders as a kid so I could spend time with you fixing them? I really wish Alondra behind her would have said I knew it. <laughs> because it would have made them the sister thing stronger, and it would have yeah. been, it would have resonated. It would have made it clear that. Anyway,
2: I do have uh, one other I had kind to, of pitch. One other, the I think, <laughs> just to go off of. Uh, so Picard's
0: but, putting that in his memoirs. There yeah, we go. That's yeah, why. Yeah.
2: I, <laughs> I, I would think also just that uh, after seeing uh, writing about how Data was projecting <laughs> his body uh, as being the uh, the element that was missing. Just a little sub -sub passage of which is something that I totally knew my body could do too. (laughs) (laughs) But I chose not to do it.
0: (laughs) So, would he embellish, would he get into this idea that data is projecting an image of his corpse? We see the corpse uh, eventually, the actual corpse. Sorry, spoiler. And he's wearing underwear. Maybe he's not naked in this projection so whether he's wearing underwear or he's naked whatever do you think that there's a a facet where he's like i've never been so naked before these people before like he's he's gotta be a little embarrassed because not only is it's like here it is that's the best of both worlds full jean
2: luke yeah best of both worlds uh part two after he's been deborgified and he's in the Well oh, uh, they've the lab. seen everything. Yeah. They see a lot of <laughs> that's what
0: yeah. Oh, that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah,
2: they've seen Well and way. that
0: one it's it's Data and and Beverly and Troy in the lab. That's true. <clears> but now <throat> we've got Wharf. <laughs> We don't have Riker. We have Wharf and Jordy and Sydney and Elantra. and then Lore and B four and Lol. Lol's yep. technically like two weeks old, so it's like, what's going? On? I just want that to see a a that thing. scene
2: continue after the the you know the cut to credits, and it's just turn pat- it it's off just, now. Turn it, just, it off. No, now. I just I think it's more like yes, that's right. Take it in. Take it all in.
0: All right, Trek, marry or kill the bounty.
1: Matt, um, I would definitely give this a Trek. If yeah, I I was mentioning this, uh, Ryan, before we started talking, where it's almost hard to say that any of these episodes are necessarily a Mary, just because the plot is so tied to the other episodes. But I personally, just for you know, all the nostalgias and of course all the ships, um, at least uh, you know, a Trek.
2: Ryan, yes, so my thoughts are very much in alignment with, with uh, Matt's thinking, like the episode preceding this is, dare I say, one of the best episodes of Star Trek, I think uh, in a very long time. Uh, And this one was, it, I don't think, you know, it it, it reached that level, but at the same time, those ships, baby, those ships. So I'm a Mary, (laughs) I'm a Mary just because I I want more of those ships. I just want to see them. I want to roll in them, you know?
0: See, and then I texted you after I watched right after I watched it, and then the whole next week I couldn't wait for the next episode because I wanted to get the taste of this one out of my mouth. So for the longest time I was a kill because I, this is not for me. Like the nostalgia trips and the Easter eggs and the fan service, like not for me. The, I thought it was kind of gross with Picard and, and Kirk's body being stored. It just felt really gross, and it's also like – why do they need to store the body for that long? You know, like, uh, Kirk's it's, it's just like, they've had it for 30 years or whatever. It's, it just was all there so that you go, Oh, 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 and eh, I, I don't need that. You know, I I got other pleasures in my life, but guys, we, we, this is why you're doing this episode with me. It's gotta be a trek. It's gotta be a trek because, the ship stuff is so great and you know what a lot of people a lot of people like the easter eggs and the fan service and they have that macabre sense of like ooh, the old man's bodies are in a thing attack triples whoa like a lot of people love that stuff and we certainly have pulled the jordy laforge family stuff in there matt you and i we've something with ed spleers as jack and the his rewatches yep. so there's there's definitely good stuff in here it's maybe not as good as the the good stuff that's come before but it's it's a trek for sure easily
2: yep yeah oh man i am just if i could say anything i am just glad to have this season of star trek to talk about yes i mean not to not to say anything about what's to come but yeah it definitely helped. You know, we, we you were talking about rinsing the taste out of your mouth, Brian, and, and hoping for the next episode. That's basically the season and everything that came before. <laughs> like, I, this is the episode that or the season finally kind of. Yeah. yeah I just this, don't yeah.
0: like I don't like when you are putting elements in to distract from what you're missing, what you mm-hmm. lack. And even if I understand the production realities and the rushing and you're making choices. But that's why I opened with Terry Metallus is like he's emptying a Gatling gun into my soul right now because he's yeah. like, this is what we had to do. You either like it or you don't. And I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I respect that. Yeah. And and the fact that they listen, Terry Metallus is obsessed with the music this season. Mm-hmm. The music is amazing. Yep. The ships look amazing. The enterprise. A children need to be raised on the, on the motion picture <laughs> enterprise. Yep. More more people need to be aware of it. So anything that spotlights is, is real quick.
2: Real quick story. I've been rewatching the original series, and my <clears> son is commonly in the room, and I make a point not to skip the credits because a I want him to just memorize the uh, you know the opening spiel as well as get a chance to really just like absorb the enterprise the original enterprise and just like so that he can just have it part of his core
1: memory you know yep. yeah Um a good call i would bring up and i don't know if i like this or if it bugs me but there's part of me because it is the enterprise a so when jack says oh that's kirk's enterprise there was part of me where it's like yeah i know it was kirk's enterprise but call it the a i like there's something about calling it the enterprise with the letter a that i find very precious and the fact that they didn't do it even though it is under the name enterprise kirk was the only captain of it and everything. so it's like okay it totally makes sense but kirk blew up his enterprise oh and yep. actually uh spock was a captain of it too just I to oh, was topic. oh just in before six right or
0: something no. i think it's enough it's no. been a hundred years i think it's okay if that some people, like a 20-year-old kid like Jack Crusher is supposed to be, yeah. is not aware of the nuance of there is the Enterprise that got refit and then self-destructed, and then they renamed uh, the Yorktown, yep. the Enterprise, A. I I can easily see that oh, all yeah. being yeah. just like it flattened out for, for yep. people his age. No No problem at all.
2: And I would be the uh, the Starfleet instructor just shaking his head in the corner of the room. But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, Star Trek Prodigy,
0: season two is going to premiere
1: when? Uh, later this year in the fall. Okay.
0: okay. Um,
1: and season one is available on Paramount Plus. Uh, there's a Blu ray and DVDs of the first 10 episodes. And I think some of the episodes are occasionally airing on Nickelodeon.
0: Nice. Brian, is there anything on Q Code you want people to
2: find? Uh, I'm really excited about a podcast that I think some of your listeners will enjoy called Versus. It's on our sister network, Wood Elf. I know the, uh it's going to be a wonderful podcast of like basically uh, anything in nerdum versus anything else. I know that they're having you know things like Spider Man versus I don't know the Flash, something like that. It's <clears throat> it's your ultimate you know clash. I'm sure they'll have the Enterprise versus a Star Destroyer at some point, but. Uh, we all know how that would resolve Uh, the enterprise would win, but you know.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks guys. It's been great having you on. Uh, This was a lot of fun. I'm so glad you came for this episode, especially we all lit up. You guys are, when we hang out, this is the thing I know gets you going. Oh yeah. So I'm glad I could bottle it in this podcast episode. Listeners out there, if you enjoyed this episode, give us five stars on Apple podcasts. If you want to check, the standings to see how many Treks, Marys, and Kills we've handed out so far. Check us out at TrekMaryKillPod.com. We're also on Twitter for now. I can't believe it's still around, but it is TrekMaryKPod. <laughs> and you can add us or DM us if there's episodes uh, that you want us to do or focus on. Uh, which shows, because we're starting to think about season two, hit us up. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Until then, TMK out.